On this week's episode, we go into our own multiverse of madness with the Super Bowl trailers. We have our annual best and worst big game commercials. And who should go into this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassman from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there that's all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, PopCultureCosmos.com, and also Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where you can find us having the number one place to go for tabletop RPG streaming. Plus, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook also delivers you daily the best news and information from the world of pop culture and if you can go ahead and support us any which way you can right here at the pop culture cosmos it is sincerely appreciated but it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without a good friend and josh still taking care of that newborn he'll be out another week but in his interim is a great man indeed i only get the best of the best here for our shows he is back again having watched the Close and very good game, the Super Bowl that just happened with the Los Angeles Rams beating the Cincinnati Bengals in my birthplace, Inglewood, California. But here today to talk about the good stuff from the game, the actual good stuff, (laughs) not talking about the football, I'm talking about the real good stuff, is a good man indeed. He is a major part of Pop Culture Cosmos. It is TJ Johnson. Welcome back, TJ. I'm sure you had the pizza, maybe some hot dogs, <laughs> barbecue, chips and dip, all that good yeah. stuff like I did this Sunday <laughs> at the Super Bowl. You know, we kept it pretty simple, but we did we did do pizza. And I did, did pizza chips too. Yes. We did pizza and chips and dip, and that's a, that's about Same it. Same here. Just, yeah, I didn't I can't get to you, brother. Well, I, I had a lasagna. About, I had a lasagna. I don't know what it is about. Once you turn in your 30s, right, all the check engine light stuff starts to come on. You realize you can't do the stuff you could do in your 20s. So going out and eating, I don't know how I used to be able to go and eat cheeseburgers before basketball games and eat stuff at like 10 o'clock at night and not feel sick the next morning. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm so sorry. If I could go I back in time like LeBron did in his commercial, I would tell my younger self, stop eating the crap late at night because it's going to check you up in your 30s, but. So no, you and I, I both. Really you and I both. I, I would actually really go up like. to my younger self and just whap myself upside the head. What are you <laughs> thinking, man? As I go to McDonald's, just like the commercial, and go right. Can I take your order, sir? Uh, uh, you yeah. know, uh, which I hate when people do that. At McDonald's it drives me nuts. Like the menu is the menu. <laughs> they rarely change it. They very seldom change They throw in the McRib now and then. There you go. And when they do, you get commercials about it. So you don't yeah. really need to do this. We don't have to play yeah. this game. Just, just order right. your food, please. I hear you, my friend. I need my McGriddle right now. There you go. There you go. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking about the best of the best as far as the trailers 
some really, really good movie trailers came out. I'm really excited for the movie season because we've got some heavy-duty trailers to talk about real quick. Yeah. Plus, also as well, our best and worst, as we do every year, of the big game commercials, the best and worst, we're going to go ahead and share our thoughts on. Plus, Mike Faber and Kevin Eldridge from the ESO Network and the Flopcast, they're stopping by later in the program to talk about who should go into this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's also coming up. Plus, a quick update on the box office, which is kind of disappointing. Blade Runner fans like me got to be excited because it was officially announced something on Amazon. I'll talk about that. Plus, Nintendo, they had their direct last week, so I know we'll touch on that before we head on out as well. But first, my friend, it is the big game trailers. I want to hit up first and foremost, Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. It showcased for the first time anywhere. They didn't let it seep out early a couple of days like most of the other movie trailers and commercials right, did. Right. I thought that was really smart. It really got me charged up. This was a movie, quite frankly, I was not as excited about until I saw everything that's going on as far as the multiverse breaking down and a possible sighting or <laughs> listening of Dr. Charles yes. Xavier, Dr. Patrick Charles Stewart, Xavier. getting in the fray. That was pretty cool, man. I got him and I had one of those. Did you hear that moment? And so I'm, I'm in there with my family, right? My wife, my kids, and my in-laws. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you guys didn't just hear that? You seriously? I'm the only one that heard what I heard, right? Nobody else heard that? Okay, so I'm tripping. Okay. It's a blink and you'll miss it moment. It really is. And, if, and I almost had to, I pulled up my phone immediately and went back to it and like, okay, did I hear? Yep, I heard what I thought I heard. All right, so I, it definitely sounds like yeah. Sir Patrick Stewart back to play good old Professor Charles Xavier. They've had to talk him into it. And it just leads me to believe that if they talked him into it, then they had to have talked in Hugh Jackman, right? They just had, because they were almost like peas in a pot. They almost didn't want to do it without the other one as far as doing Logan. So I feel like we have a good shot at seeing Mr. Hugh Jackman return as Wolverine, even if it's for a small segment. And that's what they're thing. doing. That gives everybody an out, this multiverse, yes. variants, yeah. things of that nature, because we saw two Wandas, Scarlet Witch. We saw two versions of her. We saw mm -hmm. three different Doctor Stranges. Mm -hmm. We are going to go ahead in this trailer and say, you know what? There's a whole multiverse of madness, but this gives all these possibilities, like you said, for cameos from any type of fan service that Marvel wants to do. This is going to be something very exciting. Yeah. I was not as pumped going into this. Coming out of it, I am super excited to see Multiverse of Madness. Well, you know, I don't think anybody was really as pumped. And here's why I say that. It's not that you weren't pumped, but you didn't know what to expect. You know, once the title came out, okay, we had an idea it was going to be the multiverse, but we didn't really know how deep into the multiverse they were going to go. And yeah. then I think once Spider-Man No Way Home came out and we seen, like, yo, they're really willing to go all the way back into, like, the 2000s for this stuff there's yeah. a good chance that we really could be opening this whole thing up completely. And I think that's when the excitement kind of started to really click for me personally. I can't speak for anybody else but for myself. But once I seen Spider-Man No Way Home and I realized that they are, they're serious about this multiverse, they're serious about all the continuity stuff, the what-if stories from the Disney Plus series, it, it's like, okay, they really are serious about opening this entire thing up. And because they're serious about that, it got me excited to see what this trailer would ultimately look like. And now that we've seen it, I think that this is going to start to kind of build the fever that Spider-Man No Way Home did. And on top of that, for Marvel, Moon Knight, which is coming March yes. 30th to Disney Plus, they showcase yeah. the Moon Knight character even more. I really was excited about it. I love the CGI and the look of it. It just mm -hmm. really looks like it's something that 
I think they're putting a lot of production value into this that they may mm. not have put into some of the other or as enough as some of the other Marvel shows. I really think that they upped the ante with the design of the Moon Knight, and I'm looking forward to it as well. And, and I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think in a situation like this, and when it comes to Moon Knight, he is not a well-known Marvel anti-hero, superhero, whatever it is that you want to refer to him as. He's not as popular of a character. And one, he's not a character that we've had history with. So yeah. when you go into your Hawkeye series, when you go into your WandaVision, we have history with those characters that we are interested in who these characters as people are because we've got to see the extraordinary things that they can do. So yeah. you introduce a brand new hero, anti-hero, whatever, in the Moon Knight, it's important for us to see what he can do and how this pertains to the who he is and how that pertains into who he's ultimately trying to become or who he's ultimately trying to be, whatever the case is. But it's important that we have that visual spectacle to pull us in because we don't have history to go back off of with this guy. The other major trailers that were there, Nope from Jordan Peele, which I actually <laughs> dropped yeah. on the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page just about 10 minutes after it dropped by the studio, the extended version, and mm. it looks really good. Jordan yes. Peele is a master director, one of the best out there today, and after Get Out, he has Daniel Kaluuya. But, I mean, if I was Daniel Kaluuya, would you really want to come <laughs> back for another Jordan Peele movie? He freaked you out the first time with Get Out, but he's obviously coming back where he's achieved so much success with Jordan Peele. Nope, yeah, looks really good. I yeah. think a lot of people are going to be really into it as far as from a horror standpoint. He, it's smart horror. It's not it dumb, it's dumbed biting. down yes. horror. Yeah, it, it's really smart. Nope is something that I think a lot of people should be looking forward to when that comes out. Lord of the Rings, The Rings mm -hmm. of Power. This is the huge half a billion yeah. dollar production from Amazon, who also yep. announced this week that going into production is the sequel to Blade Runner 2049, a Blade a Runner 2099 series. Yes, yes, overseen by Ridley Scott is going to be in production. It's announced that it was officially in production, so I'm super excited about that. But yes, this for right now, later this year when it comes out, for all you Lord of the Rings fans, this will take us back to Middle Earth. This is the second age, I believe, is that it's covering, not the third age when most of the stuff that everybody saw from the hobbit and the lord of the rings took place mm -hmm. this is when everybody gets to see how the rings originated and how it came to be so your thoughts on the lord of the rings from amazon you know i, I wanted to see what that money bought amazon i think they said that the release is going to be september of 2022 if i'm reading that yes. correctly if i read that correct so i'm excited just to dive back into this world and the characters and i remember my first time watching the original lord of the rings i was never one to jump on the band trains when stuff first comes out like i didn't watch the lord of the rings when it first happened i didn't watch the harry potter films when they first happened i'm i'm one of those guys like i'll catch the hype later you know the, i didn't grow up with those stories so i'm, I'm no i don't really care right when i tell you that I, I watched the lord of the rings for the first time and i had the opportunity to watch the first two back to back and i caught the third one uh, the little half of it in the theater i lost it i thought like, what the world have i been missing this entire time so i'm pumped i've done all three lord of the rings i've done the prequel trilogy i've played all the games that you can possibly find on lord of the rings i am stoked to see this and it looks good it, it makes me feel like i've been transported to middle earth from when i've been able to see this trailer so far now granted it wasn't a whole lot but the little bit that I got, I'm pretty fired up, man. I'm pretty fired up. I am really excited for it. My wife is as well. So looking forward to seeing what the Lord of the Rings from Amazon will bring us. The other trailers that were shown off, 
where DC had this montage of the four movies that are coming later this year. Mm-hmm. We, they didn't really show us that much. I mean, yeah. Aquaman sitting on a throne, big deal. Showed us a little bit more of Black Adam with Dr. Fate and Hawkman. I like that mm-hmm. part of what they showed mm-hmm. off. But with Flashpoint, we've seen that footage already, most of it. Yep. And, and of course, the Batman coming next month. We already know that right, Robert Pattinson right. is very angry. We get that. Yeah, he's angry. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. I think at this point, Marvel, it's not even a competition. I think DC needs this Flashpoint to be just a hard reboot, just a hard, yo, let's just... Let's start over. Let's just kind of scratch it all. And honestly, I would almost at this point just start telling Elsewhere stories. Like, you know, forget continuity. Forget to having a, a Justice League 1, 2, 3. Just, just have stories, man. Just put out movies. Don't worry about this connected tissue that is a, an extended universe. If you want to have characters from other parts of DC pop in in the movie, then have the characters pop in the movie. We don't need this huge explanation. Just because Marvel did it the way that they have. And kudos to Marvel. They, they were fantastic with it and what kevin feige has done put together that whole collective thread and tissue that's worked out it's a great thing but it can also be very daunting because now if i'm somebody that wasn't into the marvel films 10 years ago i now have missed out on all of that richness of marvel films and it could be very intimidating for somebody like me who if i haven't not somebody like me but if i had not already been attached to all those movies to try to go back and, and keep up now why would i care about the multiverse of madness when i don't know anything about dr strange one or what happened with wanda and wandavision so i think what dc needs to understand is that this was successful for marvel yeah. marvel did it this way it was successful for them and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that but that does not mean that that is the only method to get in a job done tell your stories yeah. tell your stories and that's all you need to focus on stop trying to catch marvel and just be dc there you go i mean the batman it starts off next month so we'll see how well that does i also got a chance to see the jurassic world dominion trailer highly recommend it it looks like something i want to see as far as the jurassic universe i haven't been this excited or interested in the jurassic universe for quite some time because it combines the favorite crew from the jurassic park series with the current crew of the Jurassic World series as they team up together to try and see what they can do to stop the overtaking of the Earth by these dinosaurs that were created in this Jurassic series. So looking forward to seeing that. And TJ, I know you are as well. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, I want to touch on Sonic 2 and the Atom Project, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, with Jim Carrey doing a dual role on today's Super Bowl. Yep. He was actually the cable guy oh, in the Verizon I was commercial. So mad. I was so mad that that was just a commercial. I was yes. so hoping they found some way to bring his character back from the original cable guy. But for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, we just saw more footage of it. It's something like if you uh, really like the first one, you're going to like the second mm, one. And now that it has yeah. Idris Elba voicing Knuckles, yeah. I believe, it's going to be mm. something that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in, especially as, as mm. since it was the last movie to do well before the pandemic really hit. Right. The right. Atom Project is the last thing, one of the 9,000 movies that are coming from Netflix this year. One <laughs> I'm kidding. one every week is yeah, 80, 86, but I think that's already like down to 85 or 84. But it is the Atom Project from the same team that brought you Free Guy. Now, mm-hmm. I was probably the only one out there that didn't enjoy Free Guy, but I know I'm going to give the Atom Project a try. Your thoughts on the yeah. Atom Project before we hit the break? You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't dislike free guy i didn't it wasn't like 
it just wasn't, it wasn't funny boring. and i fell asleep three yeah. times i've already said it on the show i mean that yeah. if it doesn't hold my attention and i'm i'm not that old yet and i'm falling asleep <laughs> right. on it that right. tells you exactly what i thought of it but it's a guy yeah. who works with his former self to go ahead and do something to save the world you know ryan reynolds playing the lead role yeah. in this but your yeah. thoughts on it how did it look to you i mean it looked interesting it looked kind of gritty so i'm sure that you know it's going to do the viewership that it needs to do I, being a, a bit of a Ryan Reynolds fan, not a huge fan, but I'm, 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 I've seen enough of his movies to know that I, what I'm going to get when I when I see a film with him in it. I'm expecting more of the same, just more of the wisecracking physicality that we're expected to see when it comes to a Ryan Reynolds action-orientated film. It looks okay. I, I don't think it looks like anything to freak out about. You know, it's it's, uh, it's all right. I mean, it's okay. We'll, it's PG-13. We'll see what it looks like. It's PG-13 yeah. Ryan Reynolds, which you, it only goes so far. And that's the it point. only goes so far. When you can't yeah. drop an F-bomb, then it's not really the same thing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend. A lot of heavyweight trailers, the movie industry made a statement. I think that's yes, one of the did. things I will take away from this year's Super Bowl is that they did mm -hmm. make a statement with a whole bunch of good trailers. And we have all of them right there for you at the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. So please let us know which movie trailer you like the best. Please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com we're coming up after the break it's mike Farmer and kevin eldridge and our thoughts on who is going into this year's rock and roll hall of fame as we announce the nominees and who would like to be enshrined in the rock and roll hall of fame that's coming up after the break this is the pop culture cosmos big on america hey guys this is jason dutch with dig on america podcast and i'm here with big hops and i'm also here with Mikey Famine. Dig on America here, we explore how American history, policies, and sometimes even our pop culture created the social and political issues facing Americans today. You can check out our website, digonamerica.com. We're on every single audio podcast app there is out there, Pandora, Spotify, etc. Subscribe on YouTube. You can check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash DOA podcast. Hopefully you'll listen to the show, guys. Dig on America. All right, we're back on the program. It's Gerald Glasser coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you so much for watching and listening. It is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame once again. We're back in our annual look at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The guys and I, we're just going to go ahead over who we think should be in this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The nominees are available, and you can vote on them today at vote.rockhall.com because you can go ahead and you'll see right there all the nominees, all the great people involved as far as this year's nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And here today to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are two great guests indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today as far as with some chickens at the Flopcast, wherever you get your podcast. It is Kevin Eldridge and Kevin Great to have you here. It is Flopcast.net. Thank you so much for joining us, as always, each and every year as we debate and talk in friendly terms, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, we've been doing this for years at this. This is officially a tradition, I think. The Rock Hall puts out their nominees, and then the three of us break it down and d determine what they got wrong. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, right <laughs> now, when it concerns the monkeys we can't go much in the i know every each and every year we talk about the monkeys and how you know it's a crime that they're not even nominated but i think that some point in time maybe the ice will crack but this year is a really stacked list and also here today to talk about it is a good man indeed you got to go ahead and check out the 
ESO Network, wherever you go ahead and get your podcast. In fact, he's got a tremendous array of shows under his banner, including ours. So you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today. In fact, start the journey on Facebook at the ESO Network. It is Mike Faber. Mike, great to have you back, my friend. Just looking forward to a great discussion on this year's Rock and Roll Hall. Gerald, it's always awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. And I am not going to bitch and moan about Weird Al or the monkeys this year. I promise. Well, it all depends. Weird Al's, I heard through the rumor viewer, that all depends on the autobiographical movie that's coming out. If it's good, he has better chance. He has a much better chance. If it's bad, well, you know, it's just Weird Al. You know, I'll just complain because Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show hasn't made it yet. <laughs> yes, there you go. There you go, indeed. But it was always a great discussion. In fact, we'll probably drop as far as who we think should be included as a nominee. But I will say, guys, I said it actually off air that I think this is the toughest list that I have ever seen as far as during our discussions of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This is a heavy-duty lineup. This is something that I think a lot of people need to go ahead and take some time to think about. It's not just, oh, this, 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 and you're done. This one, I think, requires a lot. And in fact, if you want a deeper dive into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you need to go ahead and check out not only Kevin's show, The Flopcast, you also got to go ahead and check out the ESO Network as well, because the latest Earth Station One podcast is about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So you got to go ahead and check that out indeed. But here's the lineup, the nominees for this year's 2022 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And remember, you can vote on your nominees today at vote.rockhall.com. Beck, Pat Benatar, Kate Bush, Devo, Duran Duran, Eminem, Eurythmics, Judas Priest, Fila Kuti, MC5, New York Dolls, Dolly Parton, Rage Against the Machine, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, A Tribe Called Quest, and Dionne Warwick. I do want to mention that Beck, Duran Duran, Eminem, Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, and A Tribe Called Quest are first-time nominees. To me, that's a stack lineup, guys. That's a really stack lineup. It's really strong this year. I could already see a few that don't have a chance because they've been on, and I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but they've been on the ballot for so long. They're probably only way they're going to get in is by being honorable nominees and such. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of perennial bridesmaids and uh, many of them have been nominated again this year. And in some cases like critical favorites that rage just, against the machine. Yeah. And, and rage. Yeah. They've been nominated four times now in the last five years and they're very uh, involved uh, with the rock hall so that they're going to get in one of these days but looking at mc5 and looking at new york dolls at fela Kuti, even I, I don't know that they'll ever get the votes to get the direct induction but i think they will likely get as mike mentioned one of those musical influence or musical excellence categories they're, they'll get them in one way or another one of these days but they might not get the votes the hall got aggressive last year with using the early influence and in musical excellence yes. categories to just get people off the ballot and into the hall i mean they did that a couple of years ago with nile rogers after several nominations and then last year with ll cool j and Kraftwerk. you know i know a favorite of ours Kraftwerk. they finally yes. just said all right just just get them in I fully expect either this year or next year Shaka Khan to get that treatment. Yeah, I Shaka, agree. they're probably going to do that with as well one of these days. Absolutely. 
And I think for modern audiences, Rage Against the Machine at some point in time will get that nod if they don't go through regularly. I think that, you know, it's it's to younger audience. I think that's the name that I think that sticks out on this list. Yeah, I think I think they'll get the votes to get in. Really? Get in, get in the front door. Maybe not oh. this year, but sometime soon they're they're going to get in. Oh, you could be right about that. I don't know. This year's kind of tough. This year's yeah. is definitely yeah. kind of tough. Actually, the thing that pops out to me Mike is the influence now of the early eighties, something that when I was a teenager and I don't want to say you guys were a teenager, I'll say when you guys were young babies, how about that? Even though <laughs> you would be surprised how much older than me that you're not. <laughs> I was trying to be nice there. I, I know. Answer. I, I know. knew the answer, but <laughs> I will say that the rise of Duran Duran and British Euro pop and Eurythmics who have such a beautiful sound Duran Duran there. And then you also get into some of those early 80s stuff as far as with Judas Priest, because you've got another thing coming. And how important to the music as a whole is the 80s? Because it seems to me like it's just such a a great part of our history as far as that segment when you had so many musical influences coming together. Yeah, and this is it's going to be fun seeing more and more of these 80s artists being nominated and being inducted. There've been a few over the years certainly, but but I think they weren't really in contention cuz people thought, "Oh, these are these are MTV pop stars. These aren't classic rock artists who belong in the Hall of Fame." But with each passing year, you know, an act like Duran Duran I think garners more critical acclaim, more respect, is looked back on more and more fondly. So I, I think Duran Duran has a very strong chance of getting in. This is their first time being nominated. Yes. And I, people love Duran Duran, as they should. I would not be surprised if they make it in. Eurythmics, it's, I think it might be a little tougher for them to get in, if only because Duran Duran is such a bigger name. So yes. the, I think the new wave votes are going to get are, are going to fall to Duran Duran. I it's going to be very that. interesting, though, with that, because... I agree with what you said, Kevin, because, you know, Eurythmics might get torn because of Duran Duran. And, you know, I would love to see it because they were so groundbreaking with what they were doing at the time. Uh, Annie Lennox's oh, yeah. voice was like nothing. It was like silk. It was wonderful to hear. And then Dave's, you know, synthesizer. Yes. And it was just amazing. And the power of it at the time and the consistency through like a good five-year period until they split and Annie went on her own. Yeah. That's what I wanted to ask you because Annie Lennox, I mean, she is one of the most beautiful voices that's ever been in music, in my opinion. And her leaving and breaking up with the Eurythmics, do you think that might be what will set them back because they only had a run for a certain period of time? I think that it helps them because that kept them in people's thoughts. The, the the career that Annie went on to have, I think, if not for that, I don't know that Eurythmics would have lasted long as a high-profile band if they'd continued. They probably would have faded away. So that, I think it really preserves their legacy by having such a strong solo career for Annie. So mm -hmm. Exactly. I could see her being a double nominee, too. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. I mean, uh, she has created some absolutely beautiful music. And again, one of the greatest voices that I have ever heard in my lifetime. So, But I remember seeing her the first time with the striking red hair in the Sweet Dreams video. Yes. Well, it got a huge amount of play. 
in those early days of MTV. I mean, we just remember all remember that we're around that time seeing that iconic video. You're like you said with her and the whole imagery and what they were going for in that video. And just the fact that it was part of that British Euro pop invasion. And again, Duran Duran, which Kevin, I know is a great part of your latest episode, Duran Duran and, and the things that they did. They were not taken seriously when they first hit America and arrived, even though they were so massively popular, but they were not taken seriously by critics. But you look back upon their music, especially those early years, how creative and how quality of the sound that they were making. And plus the fact that they came around 10 years later and reinvented themselves and became a massive hit once again. Yeah, I mean, they were an MTV band. They were known for their videos. They were known for years. You know, the girls would put their posters up on their walls and that that's Duran Duran. But the songs are solid. The songs have held up over the years. Yes. And I've seen Duran Duran live. They're an excellent live band. They're for real. And I think oh. people are realizing that more and more as the years go on. And they're very, very much great musicians. Each one of them is a true talent it wasn't like oh they were pretty boys let's just put them up on stage or something these guys could actually play and sing and that's what made them even more incredible so who do we think to be in this year's rock and roll hall of fame find out after the break right here on the pop culture cosmos and if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Again, it is to me a stacked lineup all over the place, whether it's the heavy metal with Judas Priest or hip hop with a tribe called Quest or the backbone of what was created for pop music with Dion Warwick. You just see the list there. Beck, of course, who's had a niche of all of its own as far as the kind of creative music, the critically lauded music time and time again. If it comes down to it, we were in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame committee and we were deciding upon five candidates, five nominees to go into the Hall of Fame. I want to know what would it be, because I know you guys are talking about it on your shows, but if you had five nominees, as I always ask each and every year, that you would like to go see put in this year, who would they be? Oh, I could easily do this let's see if i only get five um i'm gonna because we do i think we settle on five i think yeah five is because i think that's the the people who actually do vote they get five votes they get up to five picks so i would go dion warwick is long overdue i was sorry that she didn't get in last year i think she was kind of squeezed out last year by carol king and tina turner both getting in and there was really no, no room left for dion at that point Pat Benatar, way overdue. She was nominated a couple of years ago and uh, didn't make it. They sat her out last year, and that was kind of the go-go's turn. They got in. Now Pat's back. I want Pat in very much. So Dionne Warwick, Pat Benatar. I'm going to say let's hold off on Duran Duran in favor of Devo because Devo's been around a bit longer and nominated many times and definitely deserved to be in. So let's throw in uh, Dion, Devo, and Pat as far as returning nominees. Then from the new people, I got to go Dolly Parton and my guy Lionel Richie. Mike, 
If you were to go ahead and be part of the equation on this, what are the five votes that you have for this year's Hall of Fame? My five votes. That's pretty straightforward. My five would be Beck. It would also be Pat Benatar. Like Kevin said, she's definitely deserves to be in there. She is a true innovator for 80s pop. And I thought she had lasting power through the early 80s. And when you thought of MTV, you thought of Pat Benatar. And it was pretty awesome with that. I also want to say probably Duran Duran for my third pick. I probably then also would do probably the Eurythmics for number four. And I probably would say Dolly Parton for my fifth. You can't go wrong this year. I don't think there's any that stand out as far as the nominees that say, you know what, I don't think they really should be getting in. I think that virtually all of them have a very solid case for what they brought to the music industry. So I think really think you can't go wrong, especially on this year's list. Because again, it's such a heavy duty list and such a mixture of different sounds and different music styles. Uh, I definitely agree with you on that. It was interesting though, because, you know, we were on our podcast, we have a few folks on it who think, you know, the rock and roll hall of fame should be just strictly rock and roll. And well, that's why I ask for the, the yeah. every year, why should we just keep it calling it that? I understand, like Kevin said, it's a branding issue and, you know, it's always about the money when it comes down to it, but right. It, it really isn't reflective of rock and roll as far as the original definition. But rock and roll encompasses so much stuff and it has its fingers in, in, you know, the blues and for bluegrass and other forms of music. And I think it's totally cool that Dolly Parton is being nominated because she's been such an influence across all forms of music. Well, I and, see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a popular music hall of fame. I just well, that's exactly. what I that's, sure. that's the way I see it now. So yeah, it's great that they're coming in. I have no problem. With it. It's like Kevin says, it's a branding issue. But yes, I think right now the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has transcended what traditional rock and roll was perceived. If there was no Dolly Parton, do you really think Whitney Houston would have gotten into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Because you know Dolly wrote the most one of the most popular songs ever. That you know, and if you go according to Billboard, well, and, Whitney Houston also has you know, had a line of, or had a line not of, not of as songs. powerful, but she got in both mostly because she sang the Dolly Parton song for the Bodyguard, and you know it's it's pretty interesting with that that you had that, and Dolly fully should get in also because she's influenced so many other female artists. But also she, you know, country has, like I said earlier, has crossed over. They, what was it in 92, they inducted Johnny Cash. And, you know, I think it's totally makes sense. Dolly was the same kind of writer and same, same kind of artist as Johnny. Oh yeah. I I would look at someday if there's room for any more country in the hall of fame, you know, Kenny Rogers, I think you could make an argument for Garth Brooks. You could make an argument. And I'm not a country music guy. I don't care about Garth Brooks, but I I know that Garth Brooks crosses over was and is massive enough that he, yeah. And I'm not a big fan of his either, as far as the songs per se, but you got to respect the kind of massive audience that he created in the nineties and two thousands when he was going on to bring any, you know, he was bringing any 
song out or any album out and it was going to number one on the pop charts much less the country charts and don't even get me started on juice newton oh playing with the (laughs) queen of hearts (laughs) i'll do it You know, it's funny. It occurs but don't to call her angel in the morning. In, uh, uh, as we've been talking, there, we really haven't mentioned at all the, the artist who's considered really the lock this year for induction, and that's Eminem. And again, yep. I'm, I'm not a rap guy. I don't care about Eminem. I think I could probably recognize three songs maybe by Eminem. But that's the guy that it, it's his first year eligible, and it's just assumed, oh, yeah, Eminem's going right in. I think oh, he is going I right think in. he is yeah. also. Yeah. But I don't like him, and nope. I don't like I don't like what he represents. Oh yeah, I would not vote. You, you he, he certainly did not get one of my uh, five votes <laughs> that Gerald granted me. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, he does for me only because of the fact that I, I like you said, I know he's going to go in, and, yep. and I, I'm not a huge fan of his either. I've I've I liked and enjoyed some of the music that he has created over the years, but again, the controversy that Mike had alluded to it will always follow him. But I think right, he's a given. So Eminem for me, Lionel Richie, Dolly Parton, some big heavyweight names there. Beck, because of the fact he's been so critically lauded. I think of anyone on this list, I think he has the most critically lauded albums of anyone on this list. I'd probably say if you matched mm-hmm. up libraries, I'd probably mm-hmm. say there's the critics would probably lean towards him more than any of the other artists. And then, of course, Duran Duran, because of what they represented and what they brought to the music of the 80s with the Europop invasion. In fact, that they were at the forefront. Plus, over the years, as you and I uh, you know, are, have alluded to, especially your show, Kevin, as well, that the music they created, once thought over as just gloss, glam music at the time, really, when you look back upon it and you listen to it, it was quality, was something that, I mean, you listen to the chauffeur. And you listen to those kind of type of music. And then, of course, their hits, Rio, Hungry Like the Wolf. Those type of iconic tunes and to hear the quality and the fact that they still hold up so well today. Mm, very much so. And to me, it, I'll be firmly honest about it. I still think Duran Duran had one of the best James Bond themes ever. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And, you know, I'll stand on that soapbox and take the arrows if you need me to. First, second only to Sheena Easton. But yes. Oh, I knew you'd go there. I knew you would go there. <laughs> For your eyes home. <laughs> Although mm-hmm. speaking of James Bond themes, we also haven't really mentioned Carly Simon. And I think Carly could, could easily get into that. That name recognition is so strong yes. that I'm picturing voters just seeing that name on the ballot. Oh, yeah, Carly. She's not in already. Of course. Check. You know, so Carly could uh, really get a strong, that one. strong pile of votes i think and i even wonder if she's gonna end up uh maybe taking some votes away from dion dion warwick as another you know woman of that same generation i wonder if carly's presence on this ballot is gonna make uh dion have to miss another year i'm some kind of choice. thinking so i'm kind yeah. of agreeing with you on that it's interesting too because there's like you we keep on saying there's so much good on this yeah, and you this know, one's a heavyweight. This it one is. is a, this year, it's a heavyweight. I wouldn't be surprised if any of these folks get in, and you know, even people like Lionel Richie, which you know, when we talked about it on our show, we were talking that we were shocked he should have gone in first with the Commodores, yeah, more than a solo career, because the, the Commodores were a powerhouse in the seventies. Yeah, I was so happy to see Lionel Richie on the <laughs> on the list this year, and I mean Lionel had such a massive 
post Commodore's career, of course, that I think it, it's a stronger case for Lionel than you could make for the Commodores. And so this is kind of when Lionel gets inducted, whether it's this year or later, I think that kind of throw an asterisk on that. And that, that sort of includes the Commodore stuff. It's just a tremendous list. I mean, again, you, you can't go wrong with any of the, the candidates on this year's list. So before we head on out, if there's one artist, not named the monkeys, because we all know we want the monkeys in there and Weird Al, we've also discussed at length as far as that should be at least nominated at some point in time or be brought into the hall. Is there one individual that or individual group that sticks out to you that was kind of not remembered on this year's nominee list? You know, not the Go-Go's have made it. I would so love to see the Bengals nominated. Mm-hmm. They were just as long as much as the Go-Go's were, were a very influential girl group and as much as the Go-Go's were. And trust me, I love the Go-Go's folks. I've seen them in concert probably like five times. But it's, you know, the Bengals were more poppy, a little more mainstream than the Go-Go's were. But they were just up there as much as the others were. But also, what about um, Susie and the Banshees or the Smiths? Yep. Yeah, Bands yeah. like that. Yeah, the Smiths have been nominated. The Joy Division and Slash New Order as well is a name that gets brought up. The Replacements were nominated once before. So yeah, a lot of those... I, would, of, go, I would go New Order. For a lot of those alt-rock acts that are you know critically acclaimed. Weren't they sure. nominated as well, New Order, at one time? I think they were nominated once i yeah, believe so. I, think, I think they were yep. yeah i think but we talked also, about him before on the show i would also like to see david byrne eventually get in or oingo boingo mm. also i'd like to see oingo boingo perform again that would be the uh, most uh <laughs> but you know he's always too busy helping make movies so yeah one band kind of 70s 80s real powerhouse band they've never been nominated and i think it really should is cool in the gang there you go. I think are very, mm-hmm. very worthy to be considered. Looking into the 80s, George Michael is a name that I think is being uh, tossed about more and more. People are looking at George Michael as someone who uh, is worthy of induction. Sting With and Wham Phil and Collins. without. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I think he'd go in solo. I think they would, yeah. just, they yeah. would just induct George Michael. Sorry, Andrew Ridgely. Yeah. yeah. Wham was... <laughs> had you know just what two or three songs but george michael well, they had a bunch wham had a bunch but yeah but george michael was more popular yeah yeah it's the, the george run. michael show i'm also looking at kind of women of the 90s i think are going to make a strong showing in the next few years mariah carey has been yes. eligible for several years now alanis morissette alanis, definitely. cheryl crow is eligible and believe it or not we're a couple of years away from britney spears being in the conversation uh, okay <laughs> that's that's happening <laughs> well her influence around the turn of the century i think is something that people can't whether you like her music or dislike her music i think you just can't deny her success uh, alanis moore said i agree with you obviously she has a great influence there mariah carey i mean the fact that you know you want to talk about chart sales and album sales and song sales you have to go ahead and include her in just on that fact alone she is one of the greatest largest selling individuals of all time as far as volume on music so yeah i agree with you all great candidates all great individuals that should be included on list. and i'll be shocked if next year dave matthews is not back on the mm. on the thing because dave matthews from the fan vote had one of the most largest amount of fan votes in history 
and they didn't take them. In well, the yeah, paper. proving that the fan vote is largely meaningless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a it counts it's a, as one. It counts it, as one. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's a publicity tool for the rock hall. So and people have fun voting, but yeah, the, your vote doesn't really add up to much in the when the, when they actually count up the votes. The the fan vote really does not mean much. Well, it's been a great conversation. You guys have been awesome as always. But before we head on out, it's plug time. So you guys, again, have had great discussions on your own shows in regards to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame recently. Before we head on out, what you got cooking at the Flopcast and also the ESO Network? Well, over at the Flopcast, which is proud member of the ESO Network, as are all of our shows, we're just goofy at the Flopcast. It's my co-host, Cornflake, and me just being silly every week and just reveling in 80s pop culture nonsense week after week. And yikes, we are coming up on 10 years. We're we're two, three months away from hitting our 10-year mark of doing the Flopcast every week, every single week for 10 years. We really have a problem. Well, I wish you congratulations nonetheless. And I do like your five candidates that you were talking about on your re- most recent show. <laughs> Thank you. The monkeys and the new monkeys. <laughs> Get them both in. Sure. Exactly. Why not? Exactly. Mike, please tell us what's going on with your outstanding array of shows and also what you guys got going on personally at the ESO Network. Oh, of course. Of course. We actually just talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Earth Station One, episode 615, which just went live yesterday, Thursday, anywhere you could find good, fine podcast. We talked about it for a good 45 minutes to an hour and talked about our possibilities of who can get in and who shouldn't get in or why should they get in. It was a lot of fun, but you could check it out, earthstation1.com. And we're up on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you can find fine podcasts. Even Earth Station One is there. We've been doing Earth Station One now for, we're coming up on our 12th anniversary in April. And we've gone straight through. We have not missed a week. And we have fun. It's just myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Gordon. And it's just a great time. We also do Earth Station Who, which is our Doctor Who podcast. And we just did a Facebook Live podcast talking about romance in the TARDIS. It was a lot of fun to talk about and had a great conversation, with the moderators and the people on the show, but also with our Facebook crew. And it was just a ton of fun. And very happy to say this, the second episode of the Dragon Con Report is going to be out next week. And we are going to be doing that also as a Facebook Live coming to you on the 15th of February at 8 p.m. Eastern. You could join in. We're going to be talking about newbies at DragonCon. It should be a ton of fun for those who don't know DragonCon. It's like 36 different conventions under one roof between five hotels in Atlanta, Georgia. It's everything you could think of. It's crazy. We are there and we love it. Exactly. It's pretty fantastic. And we're very happy to say we are the unofficial podcast of DragonCon. So join in the fun and you can find them at DragonConReport.com or, of course, EarthStationWho.com. Check it out. It's always fun. And like we've been saying, we are all part of the ESO network, your station for all things geek. Guys, it's been great having you both on. Cannot thank you enough for taking time once again to talk the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees for this year's 2022 list. Who will get enshrined? We'll find out later this year. We'll find out after the wonderful voting, which you can do today, which I know Kevin talked about is so important at vote.rockhall.com. 
But if you want to go ahead and do that today, you can select your own thoughts on who will get in or who you would like to get in. Thanks so much, guys, as always, for being here. And I look forward to next year having another great conversation on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show as the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much to Mike Faber and Kevin Eldridge, ESO Network, and the Flopcast for sharing their thoughts along with me on our annual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame debate. But before we end on out, my friend, we will go ahead and touch on the best and worst of the commercials. This is what really <laughs> drives the Super Bowl because they pay the humongous ad time, 30-second and minute ad times for it. Your thoughts first on the best commercials that you saw this Super Bowl. Best commercials stood out to me. I think Doritos stole the show again. I absolutely love the Doritos commercial where the, the sloth goes down and picks up the, the, the flaming the flame hot and the bears yes. and yes, the flaming hot commercial of Doritos flaming hot. I'm sorry, yes, Cheetos flaming hot. That commercial was probably my favorite one. I learned that I need to buy an electric car after watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> because <laughs> I, the I, I, Super Bowl was filled with electric car commercials. It was, it was, and it was filled with a lot of nostalgia. I felt like the yes. entire Super Bowl from the halftime performance, which was fantastic. I loved the very halftime good. performance. Very, very good. Loved the halftime performance. But I feel like everything was geared towards our all the feels, the nostalgia of, of seeing these people that we've grown up with, right, for the last 25 plus years, seeing where they are now. And and I seen a lot of my childhood flash before my eyes. So the Doritos is definitely my favorite commercial. As far as the one that I may have liked the least, I think it was this one where it was just like the Oh, you're talking about with the QR code is actually yeah. from drops.coinbase.com. It's actually, if you go on that site, drops.coinbase.com, or if you'd scan that QR code, it would take you to the site. You actually get $15 in cryptocurrency if you sign up. Oh, well, in that case, I think I might actually like that yes. commercial best for me. Yes. Re it's drops.coinbase.com. Yes. <laughs> right there. Yes. You get $15 in cryptocurrency for just signing up. For me, that was one of the worst ones too. Absolutely, just as yeah. people are not going to get that. It, it, that's that's the yeah. thing. It had to be until my daughter went up to the screen and we actually did it. And she's talked about it and said, like, "But Dad, don't get the cryptocurrency." I'm like, "Well, why not? Well, I've always wanted cryptocurrency. What's now I got fifteen dollars. Yeah. I got fifteen dollars of cryptocurrency. I'm a rich man." But for me, some of the best commercials were the FTX commercial again, cryptocurrency with Larry David. His mm. character really worked well over the course of centuries as far as him saying stuff not working like electricity and then it worked and talking about how cryptocurrency is not going to work and that was the idea of the gag i thought that one was really good the toyota feels ad with the mckeever brothers talking about yeah. how they work together to achieve greatness in the paralympics i thought that was a tearjerker that really worked even though you mm -hmm. wouldn't know it was toyota until the very end 
GM with the Austin Powers reunion. I love that, especially if you go online, check out the extended version. And actually, I'll pop the extended version onto the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. So if you go ahead and check that out, it was really entertaining. MetaQuest 2, this was the most controversial one because people either love this or hate this ad with yeah, the animatronic yeah. dog. Think of like Chuck E. Cheese with a animatronic after the Chuck E. Cheese's closes. The animatronics dog gets thrown away, thrown in the trash. He's saved from the trash. He's put in a new environment. They accidentally throw the MetaQuest 2 glasses on him, and then he can go ahead and reunite with his animatronic friends. I thought that was good. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying it's bad, but I thought it was good. Last one for me was the Rocket Mortgage Dreamhouse advertisement with Anne Hathaway. All the different action figures arguing over buying a Barbie house. And then it getting sold. And then all of a sudden they're stuck with trying to go ahead and fix her upper with a He-Man set. So yeah, I thought that was pretty good as far as bringing out all the Mattel feels. But like you said, it's all reunion. With me, some of the worst commercials were the T-Mobile commercials with Dolly Parton and Miley Cyrus trying to make it I out. Like, that was uh, very poorly tasted. Very we, poorly. we are the world. They yeah. tried to emulate that. I thought that was really bad. Of the electric vehicle commercials that were out there, Polestar, which is a brand new company, came out with just a dud. The Amazon commercial with the Alexa commercial with Colin Jost and Scarlett Johansson. Hey, let's go film these two around the house. They'll have fun together and get paid for it. That's great. But it really didn't serve a purpose for Alexa. Yeah. It was like a what if. It was like a fake what if, like asking <laughs> if Alexa could read your mind. It really didn't go right. well. Right. And then the 15,000 beer commercials that were on there, they're hit or miss. But the Bud Light hard seltzer ad with Guy Fieri. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't need to go into a universe with all Guy Fieri's in it. Just didn't. Need no, that. no. I, I really don't. You know, you mentioned that Meta Quest, Meta Quest too. commercial. Yeah. yeah, people love it or hate it. I'm already reading that online. I gotta tell you, man. I actually really dug it, and for personal reasons, if I can, for just a second, I live an X amount of miles away from my, my oldest daughter, who will be turning 11 this year, and we both have this virtual reality headset, and. Uh, I'm going to get a little emotional just talking about it. In this virtual reality headset, you have the opportunity to do like games and rooms. And it, one of the hardest parts about living away from my oldest is the lack of ability to spend time, you know, the lack of ability to interact and, and share moments. And we got an opportunity recently where we were both in the VR world and we were in this I don't know if it's just like a, a clubhouse type deal. It was just me and her and we would go to the whiteboard and we were playing tic-tac-toe. You know, we would both take turns like drawing on the whiteboard and drawing messages. And then we would go onto the stage and they had these cards there where you could play like charades. Or you could play like, you know, figuring out what the other person was, was supposed to be mimicking and acting. And for those 30 or 40 minutes that we were doing it, it was like she was right there. And when technology like that is done right, with the right intentions and the right heart, it can be a wonderful thing. So that, as I stop and I think about it, I think that was probably one of my more favorite ones, but that's because it's attached to a, you know, a core memory for me, yeah. if you will, you know, having the ability to reconnect and, and stay connected when you're so far away is crucial. And nostalgia is such a big thing. Thing, it's such a big selling point that I think person that Facebook struck the right tone with that particular commercial. I know for me, it struck the right tone just because of, of how it can continue to keep us connected to the people that we're closest to, even when we're the furthest away. 
Couldn't get any better than that. Great memories right there for you. And again, those are our thoughts on the best and worst commercials of the Super Bowl. If you have thoughts on the best and worst commercials that you saw during the big game, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, great having you here, my friend. But before we head on out, quick check in the box office. And really, on a Super Bowl weekend, it's really not much to talk about. As unfortunately, Death on the Nile, I really hoped it was going to do better, but unfortunately only got... 12 million here in the states and another 20 million worldwide and for a yeah. movie that's cost 90 million dollars to make i don't see good signs with it marry me with jennifer lopez and owen wilson i hope it does well on peacock but then again peacock only has 9 million paid subscribers so that doesn't mean a whole lot right now before we head on out my friend nintendo direct last week they announced a lot of great <laughs> things we did talk about wii sports too or Nintendo Switch Sports or whatever they're going to call it. Whatever they're going to call it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's the sequel to the biggest selling game of all time. But they mentioned a whole ton of things. Splatoon 3, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. They mentioned Chrono Cross Remake. They mentioned Mario Kart 8 DLC. Because you know they're going to try and bleed that one to death. That's their all-time bestseller on the Switch. They talked about a new Fire Emblem Warriors. They they talked about bringing some stuff back from the past, like Star Wars The Force Unleashed. If you didn't know that was still out, that's going to be something that they're going to remake. And Even though it's not canon anymore. Yeah, even though it's not canon, still be ported to the Switch. They talked about (laughs) Batman, the Arkham collection that's going to be coming to the Switch. It was either something that was kind of interesting or something from the way back. Even a Disney Speedstorm Racing, which is their version of Mario Kart. No Man's Sky is coming there. I mean, they don't need to do as much as Xbox and PlayStation does to wow Mm -hmm. people because with the audience that's out there 100 million strong and counting doesn't look like the switch is going anywhere anytime soon it's not and i think it's one of those scenarios where if this is what they want if this is what they seem to enjoy then i'm going to just keep giving them what they want right nintendo knows what they have and they know what their audience seems tend to want and they're okay with pushing out these ports and they're okay with pushing out these additional dlcs i think the fact that we're getting 48 new tracks over the course of 2022 for mario kart deluxe 8. this was a wii u title and we're getting new tracks for it today as a switch title nintendo knows what they're doing and they know how to get more out of us they know how to milk us for every dime we got and that's what they're going to continue to do so if this is the content that we're going to continue to buy and support then they have no reason to show us anything uh, i was hoping with this nintendo direct that we were going to see more of the things that have been in development since i don't know the 19th century like i'd like to see more about metro prime 4 at some point i, I want to see more about the breath of the wild too i want to see more about these other titles that are supposed to be coming that have been being worked on those are the titles that i am interested in that's what i wanted to see and unfortunately they just didn't have any of that i mean don't get me wrong i enjoyed the force unleashed but i enjoyed it on the 360 11 years ago when it first came out i don't need to enjoy it again the only one of those that I find myself truly, truly excited about, besides maybe the Mario Kart, because I mean, you know, it is Mario Kart, uh, is Chrono Cross because it does hold a special place in my heart. I absolutely loved Chrono Cross. Uh, my brother and I used to play it all the time. The soundtrack is incredible. So I'm excited about Chrono Cross, but that's really about it. For anybody who already has other systems, not a lot of these are going to be, wow, I got to get it. But for those who have a Switch as their exclusive, these are a lot of good announcements that some good things are on the way. And I think Nintendo is going to have a better year this year than they did last. But if you have thoughts on the Nintendo Direct, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode as always. I cannot thank you enough for stopping by. You've been tremendous over the course of these past few weeks, and I look forward to seeing 
you when I can, because I know your schedule's about ready to get busier. <laughs> yeah. But any last thoughts on the way out? Uh, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of the show. Thank you so much for allowing me the open invitation whenever it's available. I, I really appreciate it. The red carpet, it's always there for you, my friend. <laughs> so for TJ Johnson, this is Gerald Glassford. This is another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great